Psalm 27, and I'm going to read the first three verses of the psalm, and then we'll share some things from the psalm. I started to say if we, if we didn't get a whole lot of anything else this morning, and I don't just say this as that cliche thing that gets said, but honestly, it has been very good for us to be here these last 30 minutes or so since we started. I mean, it's been good before that, just the fellowship, but I mean, the, the music and the singing has been nourishing for our souls this morning. And we can thank the Lord for that today. Um, let's read the first three verses here. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. Three times in these three verses, you'll see the word fear or afraid. And this morning, I would like to deliver a message that I have entitled uh, simply this, Strong Hearts in Scary Times. Strong Hearts in Scary Times. Well, where do you get that strong heart part? Well, uh, you could tell by reading this, this is a man with a strong heart. But if you, if you fast forward to the end, David says on, in verse 14, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Strong hearts in scary times. Now, I don't want to be overly dramatic, and using that phrase, scary times, uh, might seem a little over the top to some. But uh, it's not out of the realm of the, of the range of emotion and thoughts that people are having in the days that we're living in, including people that are in our church. People in our church are experiencing and have experienced scary times. In fact, we all have times when we feel fear and uncertainty and anxiety, or, or just be honest, we just get plain scared, right? It's kind of like when Barney was telling Opie and his friend that there's, it's all right to go back to the Rimshaw house, that that there's, you know, there's nothing to be afraid of, nothing to fear but fear itself. And then later on when Barney comes back and he's all afraid, and Andy said, I thought we had nothing to fear but fear itself. To which Barney replied, that's what I got, fear itself. So those of you that know what I'm talking about will appreciate that. But anyway, fear is a real thing. Fear is a real thing. And to act like it's not would be just foolish. To, to say that, to say, for any of us to say, uh, I'm not afraid of anything. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I'm on the Lord's side. I'm not afraid would be foolish. And it's certainly not what David is doing here. David is saying that he has had an experience and knows fear. That's how he can speak to the confidence he has in the Lord. Because he's learned how to turn to God in his fear. Now, according to Webster, a fear is defined as an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. So I need to define the word danger when I read that. And according to Webster again, danger is exposure or liability to injury, pain, harm, or loss. Now, now I feel like we're getting somewhere. That connects. We all understand something about that. The truth is, it's very normal. In fact, it's actually just a human thing to feel some anxiety and uncertainty, uh, especially in this crazy world that we're living in right now. Everybody gets a touch of that. We feel it. And we feel it not just for ourselves, but we feel it for our children. We feel it for our parents. We feel it for our church. 
sometimes we just experience this thing called fear. Now, I got to thinking, what are people afraid of today? What are people afraid of? And I'm sure the list could be long, but what I did, I just did a casual reading of headlines. And, and I didn't even really read any articles or anything, just a casual reading of the news headlines, just under that heading or that, that, that search question of what are people afraid of right now. And just from looking at the headlines, I can tell you that some of the things that pop up, they're not new and, and some of them are very relevant to our time, but people are afraid of death. People are afraid of dying. People are afraid of loneliness. People are afraid of being left alone or left out. People are afraid of losing their retirement. You know, there's some, some folks that aren't anywhere near that and they're not thinking much about it. And some folks that are already in it and they, they're okay right now. And some folks that are getting close to time and they're wondering what's going to happen. There's people that are afraid of war. And, and boy, that's a real thing, isn't it? People are afraid of, get this, empty food shelves. I don't know if you've been to the grocery store lately, but, but it's dwindling down. In fact, one of the articles, the headlines, I didn't read it, but the headline was, said something to the effect of, in Canada, this has become a big deal. And when I saw that, and I had just been over to a, a food line the other night that struck me because there were so many empty places in every section of the store. And I thought, man, you know what? We're only about two or three crises away from standing in lines hoping that we get bread this time. And we don't think that that's a reality, but it is. It could happen to, to us in this nation. We take a lot of things for granted. But let me, let me just go ahead and insert something here. It may cause us to feel fear, but we need not be afraid. We need not be afraid. People are afraid of disease, aren't they? Boy, people are afraid of new variants of disease. That's a, our terminology today. We've got new things in our, our vocabulary we didn't have five years ago. I believe most of our common fears are addressed by Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. And Brother Corey read from that earlier. But remember, uh, all the things that are mentioned there, the, 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 our concerns about our health and our concerns about our material goods, our physical needs, all of which he summarizes in that passage by saying to us, I think a few things, if you look at chapter 6, you'll notice that he, he says, first of all, how we handle this is pray like we believe God is real and will help. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus teaches us to pray like we believe our Father knows and cares. He also teaches us in that passage to focus our heart on the eternal. Make that our treasure. You know, he says in, in, in chapter 6 about the middle of it, he says, lay not, up, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth. Why? Because all that's going to be lost. And if you put your hope in that, if you put your, you know, your confidence in that, you're going to experience a lot of loss somewhere along the way because it will fail you. So put your heart into the eternal. And then I think he's teaching at the end of the chapter there that Brother Corey read, he's teaching us to live primarily as citizens of the kingdom of God. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. All this other stuff be added to you. I was sharing that thought that I just gave you with Athena this morning. I said, you know, we're only... At any given time, a few crises away from standing in a bread line. And I thought, I, I just stayed with that thought a little while. And I've never been in that position. I can't speak of somebody with it that's had experience, but I'll tell you what my heart said to me. It's all right. It's all right. Don't matter. I mean, I was eating a turkey burger for breakfast. 
Well, I mean, it was still morning, so it had to be breakfast, right? I mean, I got this nice juicy turkey burger with some nice juicy turkey bacon on it. Who knew turkeys could be so useful? I may not have that one day. You know what? It's all right. I guarantee you, if we build strong souls, we'll be resilient enough to walk with the Lord no matter what. And somebody's going to have to. Somebody's going to have to. That's why we're working on what we're working on. But now, here in Psalm 27, what fear does David express in this? Well, I notice that he mentions at least four things in the psalm. Let me just list these for, to you. First of all, he mentions darkness as something that he's afraid of. I don't know. There may be somebody in here that's, let's just say you're not too fond of being in the dark, okay? You might not be afraid of it, but you're not fond of it. You can relate. But when David says, I need light in verse 1, what he's saying is that God has given me light. He's, he's acknowledging that darkness is something that, that can be a fearful thing. What kind of darkness? The uncertainty of knowing what's coming. We all know something of that. You all experience that in life from time to time, not knowing what's around the corner, what's going to happen. When the doctor calls back, what are they going to say? When my child leaves home and goes there, what, what, are they going to be all right? And They go off to college and all these things we think about. Darkness. He mentions weakness in this psalm. There's, there's verses where he talks about he has feelings of inadequacy, of feeling unprepared for whatever is going on in this life incapable of handling whatever the situation is that's being thrown at him. Again, I think we can relate to that at times. He mentions wickedness, his enemies and the trouble and all those evildoers that surround him. We are surrounded by so much evil today, it seems. Evildoers abound. I know it's always been bad and never worse than when Adam fell in the garden. Never darker than that moment. But there is something to be said or a truth to be acknowledged that at least in our land a few decades ago, a few decades ago, things were at least a little more kosher on the surface. Does that make sense? People at least seem to demonstrate a little more character, a little more reverence for sacred things. Whether they personally followed it or not, and so there was a little bit more of what we might call a wholesomeness in the land. And it's declining rapidly. Rapidly. And we feel the fear of that. What does that bring? What will that look like five years from now, ten years from now? When my grandchildren, some of you are, have little grandchildren and you're thinking, when my grandchildren are grown up, what will the world be like? Those are real things that come into our mind. He mentions armies and war here in this psalm. And, of course, the saber rattling goes on and on and on and on in this world. But it's not just physical armies. It's not just national armies and wars between nations, but it's the armies of darkness that are at work and on the move in this world. Now, I'm glad to report to you this morning that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And uh, Satan is powerful, but he's not all-powerful. And he's already lost. I don't know if he knows it or not. He acts like he doesn't, but he has lost. So these are real things that can be fearful things in our life. This is David's personal experience. You see a lot of the pronoun I in this psalm. But one thing that, that you'll notice in reading it is that he is sharing this. He's sharing his heart with the reader. 
He's sharing his heart with the listener. He's sharing the lessons that he has learned with others who need to hear it. In fact, as you read on in the Psalm 28, you'll see this kind of carried on. It's like these Psalms go together because in verse 6 through 8, he says, Blessed be the Lord because he hath heard the voice of my supplication. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth, and with my song will I praise him. And then notice the change. The Lord is their strength. He is the saving strength of his anointed. So he, David says, it's not just me that God does this for, but he'll do it for you. He'll, he'll help you. He'll strengthen you. He'll shield you. He'll give you confidence in your life. David is living out and modeling for us the instruction that we receive in Hebrews. Hebrews 10 Verse 24 and 25, you know these verses well, but I wonder if we've learned how to truly live them. It says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. What day? The day of Christ. The day of His coming. More and more, come together. Come together and exhort one another and provoke one another to love and good works. We need that more than we've ever needed it. And David is modeling that for us. Now I want to say something to you that fear is not altogether bad. You see, fear is given to us as an emotion that, that is to elicit a response in us. Fear is like a headache. Headaches, we don't want them, but they're not altogether bad. Most of the time, a headache is a sign that something is not right. And so it's an indication that we need to address an issue, a physical issue. You know, nine times out of ten, it might be dehydration, just drink some more water. But it's there to warn us that something is off. In the same way, fear can be that in our life emotionally. Like the headache, fear is not meant to be the normal. It's not meant to be the daily. It's not meant to be that which we live in. But it's to help us respond to a need in our soul. So when you feel fear and sense that uncertainty or that anxiety in your life, it's not there to make us cower down. We're not hunkering down to live in fear, but it, it's triggering in us that there's a certain response that, that's supposed to happen in my life. And at the bottom of it all is this, I am to turn my heart to God in a greater way right now in this moment. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. What time I am afraid. Not next week, not next month, but now in the time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. There's healthy fear. The word here in Psalm 27 means awe or reverence. But what are we in awe of? You see, we can be in awe of problems or we can be in awe of Jesus. We can be in awe of trouble or we can be in awe of truth. So fear can be a good thing. But there is an unhealthy fear. When we become overwhelmed with the danger and we believe that there's no way we're going to escape the pain and the loss and the harm that threatens us, then what happens to us? We get taken by the fear. You know, one of the things that we need to learn in terms of spiritual warfare is the importance of knowing your enemy. We're going to identify fear in terms of being an enemy right now. Now again, I said there's a healthy fear if we do the right thing with it. But, but unhealthy fear is something that we, we, we kind of cower down and we let it control what we do. So know your enemy. How does fear reveal itself? 
is a question that I had in my heart. So what are the ways fear manifests itself in our lives? I need to know when this thing is unhealthy. I was sitting last night by my my fire and, and trying to meditate on this a little bit. And I came up with an acronym for fear. F-E-A-R, I come up with an acronym. And at first I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. It's kind of cheesy. But the more I thought on it, the more I thought, no, 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 this really works. It actually could, could explain things well. So I took the letter F and I wrote down the word fighting. How do I know when fear is manifesting itself in my life? It'll manifest itself in my fighting. What do I mean by that? When fear is taking over, sometimes a person gets angry. Sometimes anger is a way that fear manifests itself in our life. And we lash out at people or things or circumstances. We blame. We accuse. We rage against whatever that thing is that's actually causing us to be afraid. So fear, or uh, F, is the fighting. And then for the letter E, I wrote down envying. Envying. You see, sometimes when fear takes hold in our life, we start feeling like we've been cheated. We feel like... We have been lessened. Like we desire to have what we don't have. And we despise those who do have it. You see, when I'm afraid that I don't have all that I think I'll need or I'm afraid that I don't have all I deserve, and and this one's very closely connected to the anger, but I, I begin to be envious of others. And I begin to feel cheated in life. That can be the manifestation of fear. Fear, the letter A, I wrote down the word arranging. Now listen to this one closely. I don't know if it's just that this is the one that gets me or, or if I'm right in thinking that this may be one of the biggest ones I see among the people of God. We know how to sort of control the fighting part. Like we don't, at least we don't want people to know it. And we sure ain't going to admit to envy. But the word arranging, what I mean by that is sometimes when fear is big in our life and it's unhealthy, we attempt to control the situation. We do our best to manipulate people or circumstances to make things turn out in our favor. We don't want to let go. We don't want to give it to somebody else. We don't want to trust. We're afraid that if we do, things won't go right. We're afraid that if we turn this over, that it'll all fall apart. Or we're afraid if we trust this person, that they'll abuse us, they'll mistreat us, they'll lie to us like others did. And fear controls our life. We try to control the situation. And then the letter R, I wrote down the word refusing. Refusing. By that I mean that when we have unhealthy fear in our life and, it, and it's manifesting itself, sometimes it manifests itself in that we go into hiding. Now that can be hiding out of the fact that we're just literally, I'm afraid to walk out because of what's going to happen next. Sometimes it's a fear or a hiding in the sense that I'm, I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed of what I've done. I'm ashamed of how I feel. I'm ashamed of what I think. And I don't want anybody to know, and so I just kind of clamp down. Fear. It'll keep me from stepping up and doing what God has called me to do. In all of this, I kept thinking about Saul. And I know Saul messed up on the back end. I, I know, but early on, Saul was a humble man. And when they, when they tried to summon him to, to make him king, where was he? The Bible said he was hiding uh, in the stuff. He was busying himself with the stuff he was comfortable with. He was down on daddy's farm, taking care of business, uh, just hoping nobody would, would, would call him and maybe they'd try somebody else. 
He was afraid. And fear manifests itself sometimes and keeps us from doing what God has called us to do. All fear is, all fear, I think, I believe with, with this in my heart, all fear is really rooted in a deep insecurity. A deep insecurity. Now, I don't know of anybody that doesn't have some insecurity. We all wrestle with that. And, and I, over time, as we learn to walk with Christ and we let the Word of God heal us and, and bring new truth and we learn how to hear the voice of His Spirit, we, we, we learn to overcome some of that, those insecurities, but everybody wrestles with that. But fear comes out of a place of deep insecurity. Either we trust in ourselves too much or we don't trust ourselves at all. And friends, either or both of those is wrong. Neither of those is the answer. Because we're not supposed to trust in ourselves. David's words here in the psalm are these. The Lord is the strength of my life. He says, in this will I be confident. He says, wait on the Lord. And so the answer to our fear is to find our confidence in who God is in our life. We will never find the confidence and the peace that our souls require in this age uh, by looking to ourselves or to looking to other people. i got to tell you something about my own heart. I'm your pastor, and I want to be there for you. I want to be strong for you. But here's the truth. Unless I find my strength in the Lord, I have nothing to offer you. I'm no value to you. I've got to get my strength from Him to fulfill the role He's called me to. And it's the same for every one of us here this morning. So fear, then, must be fought against. Fear must be fought against. Now, how do we do that? Soul care and spiritual warfare are intertwined. And we're learning that more and more as we go on this journey. And we've got to think on it that way. Psalm 27 literally is the battle cry of a soul that is living in these last days. Now, I know David wasn't literally living in the last days. But what he gives us here, what he describes here, what he exposes in this psalm is the very essence of a warrior spirit that we have to have in our day, right now. Again, fear is a real thing. And David's not denying it in the psalm. What he's actually doing is denouncing it or even renouncing it. He is saying that this fear that is a real thing will not have power over me. It will not have control in my life. I know where my help comes from, and I know how to fight against this fear. Right now, in this moment, if already you have it, I hope that something will trigger. And you're realizing, this is something that, that I've found fear in in my life. I'm afraid of this. This thing really, let's use the word, this worries me a lot. This really makes me anxious. So whatever that thing is, that is the thing that must be fought against. That fear, that worry, that anxiety. And, and God and His strength must be brought into that thing in your life. It has to be fought against. Now, how do we do that? David, in this psalm, gives us three things that sort of unveil themselves in a pattern. Now, now don't, don't, don't misunderstand I'm, I'm near done with the message. You don't believe that, but I am. The whole message has been about fear, right? But I said strong hearts in scary times. So where does the strong heart come from? There's three things I noticed in this psalm, and it kind of repeats in a pattern. I'll explain that more in a moment, but I want you to see the first thing David does to maintain a strong heart is he is speaking confidence. He is speaking confidence. 
In short, I'm going to tell you something. Your prayers and your praise are what strengthen your heart. What do you say about God? What do you speak into your own life about who God is? Are we speaking only of our trouble? Or are we speaking of the one who is Lord over all? David in this psalm is speaking so many of these I will statements. And they're throughout the psalms. And these are to show us the power of the words that we speak. We are to declare our faith. And declaring our faith is a powerful thing. Somebody said, can Satan read your mind? No, he's pretty good at discerning your attitude. He's got a lot of experience reading facial expressions, you know? I mean, seriously. I think we do have to be careful about some of that, but I'll tell you where you better be extra careful. It's what comes out of your mouth. Because the demons of hell can hear. They can't read minds, but they can hear just like an angel of God can hear. And what we speak is a powerful thing, and it either opens doors or shuts doors in our life. So speak confidence in your life. In the midst of, of trying to encourage the Ephesian church and how to care for their soul so that in chapter 6 they could be strong in the Lord. The Apostle Paul writes in chapter 5 and verse 19, he says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts unto the Lord. This is not something that we're just making up. This is the word of God to us this morning. That if you don't want to live under fear, it comes down to what are you speaking into your own heart. We must speak confidence. Psalm 31 is a great psalm. Boy, I've, I've spent a lot of time. This one catches me a lot when I read through it. But he says in verse 13 and 14, For I have heard the slander of many. Fear was on every side. While they took counsel against me, they devised to take away my life. Listen to this. But I trusted in thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my God. I said it. I said it this week. I was in a place, just me and a battle. And I said, Lord, I will not be drawn into this. Lord, you are the one that keeps me. You are the one that is guiding my life. You are the shepherd of my soul. And I am not going to go down that path. And I enjoyed victory. I wish I could say I've always done that. But I'm going to tell you something. He is faithful who promised. And he will deliver you if you will speak confidence in him. Let me give you the second thing. Not only is he speaking confidence, but he is seeking closeness. I didn't read verses earlier, but look at verse 4 and 5. I'll read these. He says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. He says in verse 7, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. I like verse 8. He said, When thou saidest, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. I love that verse. I tell you what, what, that, what that verse does. It kind of destroys that whole your heart's bad theology. Because David said, Lord, you said to my heart, come over here and let's talk. And David said, Lord, my heart said to you, I'm coming. I love that verse. What a way to live. Again, Psalm 30, 
or excuse me, I'm getting ahead of myself. The strength that, that comes to us by our abiding in Christ is immeasurable. And let me tell you something. Prayer is the discipline that brings God back to the center of our lives over and over again. And David said, my desire, my greatest one thing of life is to abide in your presence, Lord. I want to be there. I want to be in your company. I want to behold you. And we only get there by prayer. Being close to Jesus by the help of the Holy Spirit is our way to having strong hearts. I can't think of any of that without thinking of the Apostle John in the upper room. In John 13, when Jesus says, One of you shall betray me, and you remember, I, I've said so much about this lately on radio and here, but I think about it so much. All the disciples are kind of feeling some fear. Is it me? Am I the one? Am I the one that's going to betray the Lord? Is it I? And Peter sees John, who is leaning over against Jesus, just abiding. And he says, John, ask him who it is. Make use of yourself. What good's all that praying if you can't get me an answer, you know? And John just looks up at Jesus and says, Lord, who is it? I can't say for sure, but I always kind of felt like everybody else was worried except John. Old John was just laying there saying, well, I don't know who it is. It ain't me, but whoever it is, shame on you. I don't know. But I know this, he was close enough to Jesus to just ask and get an answer. And that's where we ought to abide and dwell in our lives. And it was John who later on in chapter 14, verse 27, recorded these words. Jesus said, peace. I give unto you. My peace I give unto you. Uh, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. There's comfort in being close to Jesus. In studying this psalm, I made a note when I was writing some things down how that there's this pattern. There's the speaking followed by seeking. And through the psalm, I saw that pattern. Speaking the confidence, seeking comfort. Closeness, speaking confidence, seeking closeness, speaking confidence, seeking closeness. And all of it led to the third and final thing, and that is he receives this strengthening. The strengthening comes. He closes the thing out by saying, I had fainted. I would have gave up a long time ago. Man, I feel like sometimes I know where he was at. I would have just given up. Had I not believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And his word to us is, wait on the Lord. Be patient. Don't go anywhere. Don't quit. Don't give up. He that endures unto the end shall be saved. He that will wait on the Lord will receive the strength. He that doesn't quit on Jesus will see his deliverance come. I'm telling you, many people in the trials, things I cannot judge them on because life is hard and those trials are hard, but they will surrender, they will give up, and they will lose. And David says, don't do that. I felt like giving up too. I would have quit a long time ago, but from within... I just kept speaking and seeking and the strength kept coming. And I got to tell you, if you'll wait on the Lord, He'll strengthen your heart too. Just wait. He's coming. What a good word. So let's bring this to a close.
What are you facing right now that is bringing fear into your life? You got to name it. Call it out. Address it with honesty. If you've been honest with your heart, how do you see that fear manifesting itself in your life? And then what you've got to do is recognize that this real thing called fear is there for a purpose. Ultimately, like everything in our lives, God is in this thing. That's important. God is in this thing. And ultimately, like everything in our lives, it is a part of his constant invitation to us to bring our hearts closer, turn our hearts to him, and discover the full meaning of our lives in the middle of all of it. And so, I'm going to ask you, while we're here, while we are in this moment, will you bring that fear to Jesus? Will you do that in this moment, right here, right now, and ask him to strengthen your heart? We sung that song a moment ago. Be strong in the Lord and be of good courage. Your mighty defender is always the same. Mount up with wings as the eagle ascending. Victory is, your, is sure when you call on his name. Those are good words.